Wonderful. Gentlemen, please, give us, tell us. We need it. We're open. Yeah, so Seth wanted me to clarify as well that uh, he and Laura, they're kind of moving into this missionary status that's going to be working with Akuo Ministries. That's Chris and Craig Westoff. Um, he'll get st uh, still continue to serve here on the teaching team as well. Have you guys enjoyed Seth over the last year or so? He, he's just so, he's so talented, but felt like the Lord is asking them to increase their scope, really. Um, and so they'll still continue to contribute here, but also going to be contributing more widely to the body of Christ. So if you want to hear about that, 3 o'clock today, sign up at the uh, events tab. Um, man, one of the things I love about this community is just the richness of gifts that are resident in it. I, lo I love just looking out here and just know, oh man, I see you, I see that. It's just ridiculous what God has given us. And so last week we interviewed Anthony Elliott, one of our own, and we're going to do it again today. Isn't Anthony such a rich resource? Did you guys hear the thing on repentance? Yeah. He, he uh, is one of the counselors at Plumline Ministries that we're in partnership with that help us out with pastoral counseling. And so last week, we talked about repentance. I'm going to do a little quiz. So repentance is an act of what? Oh, man, this is, this is trouble. Act of faith. Takes faith to believe God will forgive us. And it takes faith to act out a commitment we make. We said there's two parts to repentance. They both start with a C. What were they? Confession commitment. and commitment. Woo. So just two simple steps to that. Confession and commitment. So confession is we own our stuff, right? We, we, do, we do bad stuff. Anybody do bad stuff? Yeah. yeah. But what, 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 what was the distinction we made about, about doing bad stuff? There's a really important thing we can't get caught up on. We talked about it. Shame and what else? Guilt, right. Shame and guilt. So guilt says, I do bad stuff. Shame says, I am bad stuff. And because, and what we mean by bad, I am bad stuff, we mean I'm rejectable. But we know that that's not true because the gospel says, God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So he loves us, doesn't reject us, even when we're rejecting him. So we do bad stuff, but we're never in a position where God's just going to reject us. He's already saying, I want to be reconciled. How about you confess <laughs> and let me forgive you and then make a commitment that we want to live differently by his power. Sound good? Okay. So today we're going to talk about the other side of this is forgiveness. The act where we mostly when we're talking about is in relationships, um, uh, how we Make amends, how we come back to wholeness. And so, guys, I really, I feel like the Lord wants to do some deep level heart stuff here, okay? So, you know, I've noticed when it's sunny out, um, I'm just ready to move on with my day most of the time. Uh, because I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm just kind of sleepy. Uh, I, that that may, may not make any sense to you, but I, I've been here since 7.30 this morning. I'm looking forward to going to my backyard later today. Um, I just am. 
don't let yourself miss what God wants to do right now. This forgiveness thing is at the heart of the gospel. It's at the heart of our ability to know love and to give love and to be the presence of Jesus on the earth. Okay? So the sense we've gotten as we were praying into this, some of the stuff the Lord wants to do actually may be a little messy in our hearts and a little disruptive. And it's that the mental picture I had was of somebody trying to work out and they're covered in sandbags. And some of us have gotten so used to some of these sandbags. We're just exhausted and we're irritable. And, and Jesus like, you, you, don't, you don't have to actually carry those. And he'd like to lift some of those off of us today. Does that sound good to anybody? Okay. All right. Take us away, fellas. All right. So we're going to just, like Gail said, we're going to continue this three-week exploration of repentance and forgiveness, diving into the next phase of Jesus' teaching on prayer. We've been talking about how Jesus taught us to pray. And he taught us to pray these words, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness. And just like Guy reminded us, we learned last week that repentance is an act of faith. And today we're going to talk about the fact that forgiveness is an act of love. And to start that off, why don't we revisit kind of the, the emotional categories that form the basis for this conversation, Anthony? Sure thing. Thanks. Uh, Thank you again for letting me come and, and talk today. I really appreciate it. These things are very dear to my heart because they've made such a huge impact in my life. Uh, we don't we don't talk about these things as just some theory that we hope might happen. Uh, these are things that we see day in and day out, and I see in my life day in and day out uh, things that really make a difference. So I'm very passionate about that, so I'm grateful to have this opportunity to come and and share. So, uh, again, we shared this some last week, uh, this tool that we use often to help us uh, process things emotionally. Uh, we can do that by breaking down our emotions into four categories. Um, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, um, so just by refresher to define these categories, we define a mad category item as an appropriate negative feeling in response to somebody else's sinful behavior towards me, right? Because we're all sinners. We all still screw up. We're all still a little bit jerky. And if we're going to do life together, we're going we're gonna to step on each other's toes sometimes. We're going to create offenses. And so it's appropriate for me to have a mad response when that happens. The bad category is an appropriate negative feeling that I have in response to my own sinful behavior, to my jerkiness. When I step on your toes, I need to feel guilty about that. That's an appropriate response. Uh, the sad category items are appropriate negative feelings that I have in response to living in a fallen world where sometimes things just aren't anybody's fault. We just live in a broken system, and and we have to grieve some of that. And then we have the glad category, which is an appropriate positive feeling that I have in response to the fact that God can show up in every situation we're in. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there with us. And so we get to find him in those places. And so we can experience uh, that that uh, 
that gladness in any situation. Now, as we get into this talk, I want to make a couple of distinctions because obviously there's no way we can cover a, a subject as broad and deep as, as the whole nature of forgiveness in 30 minutes. So we're going to take a little sliver of, of information. So this is by no means a complete picture, but as we're dealing with the emotional processing of, of dealing with the mad, which is an appropriate response to other people's jerkiness, um, I have to realize that sometimes I can get offended by a whole lot of things that aren't really other people's sinful behavior towards me. Okay, And so I have to learn to be able to evaluate and to distinguish between just an, an illegitimate offense and a legitimate offense. And I need God's help for that, right? Because... Mm-hmm. My thoughts, my belief systems, my feelings get all up in the way of that stuff. Okay. But we're talking about specifically how to deal with legitimate offenses towards us. Okay. And then we also want to talk about the difference. uh, If you go into the next slide, the difference between feelings and emotions. Okay. And again, this is another one of those things we typically use the words interchangeably, but for this talk, I want to use them separately because when we're talking about getting in touch with mad, getting in touch with anger, getting in touch with hurt, uh, sometimes there's this fear that, oh, if I do that, I may just lose control or I, I don't want to be this angry person or, or you know, whatever that you know, plays out to be. So we're going to make this distinction. A feeling is just what I experience internally. That's what's going on in my world. And I want the freedom, and I think God wants us to have the freedom to experience all the feelings that we we get to have, to experience the whole gamut, to not be inhibited to or afraid of any feeling that we may come across. Now, this is different from emotions because we're defining emotions as what I express externally, okay? I can emote a lot of different things that may not actually be an accurate reflection of what I'm actually feeling. So I can be crying, and you may not know whether I'm happy or sad. You may not know whether I'm mad or glad. Okay? So uh, we want to always be able to exhibit the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? And one of the fruits is self-control. So I want... And I need to ask the Holy Spirit to help me be able to get in touch with the mad, with the hurt, with the legitimate pain that I'm experiencing, but then still be able to exhibit the self-control to to not let that emotion control me, but to let the Holy Spirit have his work in me. Okay? Makes sense? Yeah, I mean, really important distinction because I think it lays the foundation for the whole talk today. Because what we're going to talk about is being able to actually experience anger, which is disorienting because we're, you know, since we're like one year old, we're, we're taught not to act out, hopefully, you know, at some level. But what we're saying is, no, God has given us feelings to tell us things that we need to be able to experience. But that doesn't mean that automatically turns into an action. The emotion is the actual action acting out of it. Correct. Okay, so let's return to this idea that forgiveness is an act of love and is the response to processing our mad stuff, 
Right. So to be able to process MAD appropriately, um, we have to acknowledge the, the pain. And, and we live in a pretty pain-averse society. We, we don't like dealing with pain very much. Um, we like to numb out. We like to give it away from it. We like to keep it as far away as possible. And part of that's just our own unhealthiness. It's our own dysfunction that, of, of not being able, really, a, if I can use the word appropriately, it's our ignorance. We, we don't understand how to process very well. Okay, and so I'm, I'm hoping to, to raise that awareness. Um, I was going somewhere totally different from that. Uh, so, yeah, acknowledging the pain, uh, we talked about this last week, is when there's sin... When there's jerkiness in a relationship, and there's always going to be some, right? Um, we have to acknowledge the debt. If we if we can't acknowledge the debt, then we're not really living in reality. So there's no way to have a healthy relationship with somebody that you don't have the freedom to get mad at. I think it's re- repeat worthy, right there. Yeah, so that. <laughs> There's no way to have a healthy relationship with somebody that you're not able to get mad at. Because we've already established, we're all a little bit jerky. And if, if, if you hang around me enough, you're going to see some of my jerkiness. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I get to own that, right? That's, yeah. that's part of my bad, but that doesn't define who I am. I still get to claim a joyful identity, okay? and I get to own my jerkiness. Okay? So the healthy relationship means I've got to begin to be um, willing to engage in this process of owning the hurts, of owning the mads, owning the bads. Hmm. So one of the things that you've talked with Guile and I about leading up to this week that just been so helpful. And I think that the Lord really wants to use to help a lot of us this morning is that uh, so many of us have all these roadblocks to, to getting to wanting to forgive or seeing forgiveness as a good thing because we've imbibed so many lies and false ideas about forgiveness. So we're, we wanted to let Anthony debunk some of the common myths about forgiveness that keep us from seeing it as the good thing that it is. So let's Let's do some myth debunking this morning. All right. Hit us. What's the, what's the first common myth that we believe about forgiveness? Uh, the first one, and, and probably the most prevalent, is this notion that uh, minimizing and or dismissing the offense is the same as forgiving. And it is not. Again, until we can get to the point where we can acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge the level of offense... We really don't know what we're forgiving, right? And and so we can have generous assumptions, okay? We understand that other people have dysfunctions too, and, and, and those dysfunctions and our dysfunctions are going to clash sometimes. But it it doesn't minimize the amount of damage that it does. You know, if, if we're in the legal system and... Um, you hear stories like this frequently where maybe a drunk driver, you know, hits another car and, and kills the, the driver of the other car. Okay. 
Well, the legal system says, okay, you owe a debt to this family, and that debt is going to be paid by 20 years in prison. Well, but if you act real nice and you're a model inmate and, you know, we may let you off in 10 years, which sounds like a very nice thing to do. But to the person whose child died, to the person whose spouse died, that that doesn't feel any better. So we still have to acknowledge the pain. And it's a struggle because that's hard for us. So we can still, we can have generous assumptions, but we've got to acknowledge the debt. You know, something I've noticed about myself um, is I know I feel bad, but I don't want to spend more time on it. I want to get to forgiveness so I stop feeling bad. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know what I mean? I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel bad. Let's make this go away. But what you're saying is that that actually doesn't help because... We don't, we're not even being specific about what pain we've endured and what we're actually releasing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I love that uh, I often tell my clients this, is that uh, our feelings are just warning indicators. You know, we all probably drive a car, right? We've got here in, in some mode of transportation, and, and most cars these days have a check engine light. And if your check engine light comes on, does that mean your your car's junk and you need to throw it away or or you just put a piece of tape over the light to make it go away or <laughs> no it it's there for a reason it tells you there's something that needs to be investigated that's good and our feelings are just that it means that there's something that needs to be investigated so i'm when i'm feeling fearful when i'm feeling anxious when i'm feeling hurt that just means I need to actually push into it and understand why it's there. What am I believing around that? Where can I ask God to help me with that uh, and not push it away, not try to distance ourselves from it, but actually move into mm. it? That's so helpful. And so our, our second myth is really closely related to the first, but this one is clothed in really attractive false religion clothing. So... Absolutely. The second myth is not getting angry is actually a sign of spiritual maturity. Okay. Now, I, I don't actually believe that that's a myth, Anthony, so maybe I'll give you a chance to convince me. Convince okay. me. Well, I will convince you by my own life story. Okay. Uh, because I grew up um, not being comfortable with my emotions at all and was very shut down emotionally and lived in this very narrow range of emotion at, at best. And so on, on my absolute best day, I was like, cool, that was okay. But somebody could be horrific, act horrifically towards me, and I'd be like, well, that was kind of a bummer. And I, I never allowed myself to experience much emotion. And so I actually would get rewarded for these kind of things. People would say, like, oh, you're so stable, you're so calm, you're... You're so strong, you know, because you, nothing shakes you, nothing wavers you. And, and I would actually get promotions at work, often to the customer service desk to work returns on the day after Christmas because, you know, wasn't nothing going to fluster me. Little did anybody know that that was just really my dissociation at work, but that's a whole other 
topic. But what that was really about was my dysfunction. It was by no shape, form, or fashion a means of any kind of maturity on my part. Maturity says, I actually know how to enter into this, deal with it, process it, work through it, and come out better on the other side. And that's that's where this relationship thing works, right? Because that's that's how Jesus says, you know, you'll know that my disciples, right? Because we love one another. Well, this whole notion of forgiveness is wrapped in love. Well, what is love? Well, love is acknowledging that we're going to be jerky to each other. And that's what sets us apart from the world is that we get to enter into that. We get to work through that. We get to engage in that. We get to own that. We get to deepen our faith, and we get to show and receive love. This is what makes us different. Not that we don't ever experience problems. That's not the Christian life. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) It's the fact that God has given us the ability to go through these struggles and be stronger, build deeper relationships have more trust. That's so good. And I know I joked about it as we were introing that one, but I just want to say to anybody in the room who, if you look down inside your heart, you realize that you struggle really with believing this lie. The Lord wants you to give time to let him address that, to really think about it and search the scriptures with him and maybe talk and process with some people because if you believe that lie, it's a sign of some religious bondage in your life that Jesus wants to free you from, okay? And one of the really beautiful things that Anthony is going to talk us through next is the fact that, um, just like he's saying, forgiveness is it's a part of our call to love. And if we think that we're being loving by stuffing this stuff or ignoring it in order to be spiritually mature, we actually stunt our spiritual growth, and we we inhibit our ability to love and be loved. So talk to us about some of the, the effects of trying to ignore our mad. Okay. Along with this myth of the not getting angry is a sign of spiritual maturity comes this kind of secondary thought uh, that we can kind of say in this phrase is, I must be a forgiving person because I just don't get mad. Okay. Well, I'm telling you that if if you don't get mad at somebody, you are still sending a mad message. And the mad message will go one of three ways. It will either say, I don't care enough about you to be hurt by you. In other words, I'm not going to let you close enough to hurt me. I, I don't think you're... Uh, worthy enough to get into this inner circle. And so I'm going to keep you out here. Which isn't a very loving or kind thing to do. The second message uh, sounds very similar, but it's a little different. It says, I don't think enough of you to think that you will even want to grow or change. That's a judgment on your character that... Uh, you're not even worth having this discussion about because you're not going to change. You're going to do the same old, same old. It's always going to be this way. Okay? Not a very loving message to send. 
But the last message, and, and probably one of the most damaging messages, is the message that we send to ourselves. It says, I don't even think enough of my own value and worth to risk confronting you. So part of healthy love is learning how to love myself. It's learning that when I'm hurt and we're in relationship and both people matter and we get to care for each other, that I have a responsibility to say, hey, that hurts when you step on my toe. That hurts when you kick me in the shins. And we need to work through this. And that's actually a sign of a healthy relationship. Hmm. And so I'm giving you some some kind of uh, markers to start looking at some of these relationships we're in and say, okay, is, are these really healthy relationships? Do we have this ability to care for each other? Do we have the freedoms to say, hey, your, your jerkiness is being kind of hurtful today? I just, I just want to emphasize that again, what, what Anthony's saying. I hope you're getting this. It's been really hitting me really hard this week is our attempts to minimize what we're feeling in our relationships and to brush things under the rug and to try to ignore it. Stop us from loving and receiving love. It's not just not loving. It's actually unloving to others and to ourselves. And we're still going to struggle the same as what we talked last week. If we're dealing with shame around these things, we're not going to be able to engage in that process. We have to be able to get our joyful identity set between me and God before I'm able to move into this. Or otherwise, we're not going to be able to, to do that, sustain that. Yeah. So let's talk now about the, the third of the myths that we want to talk about this morning, the one that causes us a lot of fear about stepping towards forgiveness. Right. So the, the last myth we'll talk about today is the myth that forgiveness requires reconciliation. I'm saying that's a, that's a myth. We can maybe desire reconciliation. We can hope for reconciliation. So we want that. Um, but sometimes it's, it's not there. Because we talked about last week, part of, of the repentance part of dealing with my bad is, is I need to be able to own what I've done. I need to be able to be aware enough and cognizant enough to, to know that, to see that. And to want to change, to want to grow and, and to be better. And if you don't have that dynamic in the relationship, um, then it, it may not be possible to reconcile. And we know this because Jesus, right? Can anybody name me a person or a sin uh, that wasn't forgiven by the cross? But Second Peter three nine tells us very clearly that not not everybody's been reconciled, and and Jesus actually is still waiting for people to be reconciled. That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's still being patient. He's still longing. His heart still wants people to be reconciled. But some people haven't repented. They haven't owned the stuff. And so if, if that process breaks down and, and you can't have healthy reconciliation, 
you still get to work on the forgiveness because ultimately the forgiveness is about me dealing with my hurt. It is me taking responsibility for what I can be responsible for. And ultimately, the freedom then is mine. I get to experience the freedom. Which, again, so powerful, right? Because what it means is we're never uh, in jail to somebody else's opinions or behaviors to be able to work through forgiveness and become free ourselves. So we really can't blame somebody else if we're choosing not to forgive. Yeah, and it's, there's a whole other teaching we could go into, but we won't for today, but um, I think it's a spiritual principle that if we don't forgive, we actually are bound to that other person's sin motivations and um, it's going to keep us, keep us in bondage. I'm just struck in this moment by just the the significance of that. The, the significance of that that um, we it just feels so prevalent, so common that we think of forgiveness, the call to forgive, as kind of some of the bad news about following Jesus. You know, is that He calls us to forgive, and just how insidious the lies of the enemy are to keep us in this bondage that Jesus has given us a gift of forgiveness, a gift of the practice of forgiveness for our freedom, for the abundant life that he invited us to live, guys. This is huge. So how do we do it? <laughs> when, when, we're, when we're convinced that forgiveness is good, how do we do it? How do we walk through this thing practically? So we're going to talk about this in a couple of different steps. Right. And so one of the most important parts of the forgiveness process is um, doing what Jesus teaches us to do in, in Matthew 18. When he when he tells the parable of, of the king who was uh, sit down with all his books open and he was taking account of all the things that people owed him. And, and you guys are familiar with the story that he calls the servant that owed him like a million dollars and. And he ends up forgiving the debt, but that servant goes into another servant that owes him like 20 bucks and, and he won't forgive the, the second servant. And so the king ends up, you know, calling the first servant back in and throwing him in prison. And, but the, the key verse to that is, is that very first one where it says the king was sitting in it, sitting down, all the books were open and he was taking an account of everything that was owed. Okay. There's really no other way to experience lasting, really deep healing forgiveness if we're not willing to take an account of the debts. Okay. And part of how we do that uh, experientially is we get to pretend. We get to pretend that what if we were the judge? What if we were the jury? What if we were the sentencers? What if we are the executioners? What would be a punishment that we could come up with that would make that other person feel the same amount of hurt and pain that I feel? 
I know a lot of you are going, that is crazy talk. But I'm telling you, it's not about, we're not going to act this out. We're not actually going to do that. Okay. But what, what that helps us get in touch with is the amount of pain I feel. And I can't tell you the experiences I've had in the counseling office where people will do that and they'll just break down. And be like, man, I didn't even know that I was holding that much anger, that much hurt. But that's ultimately what we have to get in touch with because that's what we need to release. And so that's the next step is being able to then release that punishment due to God and say, God, okay, even though I want to be the judge, I feel like I have, I'm entitled to be the judge. I'm going to let you be the judge. And it may be your kindness that leads them to repentance you may think that, you know, they need to uh, dig ditches in this 100-degree heat for the next three weeks to feel close to the pain that you're feeling. And God may let them win the lottery next week. But he knows the heart. He may know that, you know, they may realize, wow, well, I didn't deserve this at all because I remember I treated Joe awful last week. And that may be what leads them to repentance. We don't we don't get to know that. But it may be all the way to the other end of the spectrum that says, you know, God disciplines those he loves. And we may have to experience some consequences and there may be some some hard things that we have to get through to get our attention. I know I can be pretty thick skulled sometimes and uh, and don't always get the, the kindness message. But it's it's me taking me out of the equation. And it's not forgetting the dead. It's not saying the dead is no longer there. It's just saying I don't get to hold on to the punishment anymore. And that can be a scary place, folks. Because often when we've experienced the hurt... We, we may have come up with messages that says, where was God in this? God didn't save me last time. God didn't show up. So can I really trust him? And we hold on to that pain. We hold on to that need to punish. We hold on to that hurt because somehow it it feels like it's protecting us. And if I do that, I won't get hurt again. But it's a false sense. Because we're then having to now isolate ourselves. We no longer get to be in relationship anymore. The, the thing is broken and we're the ones suffering from it. But if I don't get to engage with God in that, I'm going to struggle there. I'm going to struggle here being able to release it to God. God, what if this means I'm going to get hurt again? That feels too risky. I can't, I can't go there. Okay. God's still saying I, I want to be there. 
I had this image in, in morning prayer this morning, and I'll, I'll share it again. Um, sometimes we have a, a pretty messed up understanding of what it means for God to show up and God's goodness to, to chase after us, as some of the songs talk about. I've heard some horrific stories in my office. But this image that I had this morning was of a of a small child hunched down in their bed with a pillow wrapped over their head with their hands over their ears to drown out of the sounds of their parents arguing in the next room. And the image was Jesus there holding his hands over their hands. And the tears that they were crying into their bed sheets was not into the bed sheets, but it was into the chest of Jesus. And God shows up like that too. And I think he often shows up more often like that. Because it hasn't been a lot of my experience where he's just plucked us out of difficult times and situations. But he always shows up with us in it. And I believe today as we are working through these forgivenesses, as we're getting in touch with this pain, we may be saying, hey, I, God didn't show up last time. Well, it's, maybe it's because we were looking a different direction. And he wants to show up not as... Uh, the rescuer, the the uh, person that plucks us out of the difficult situation, but he wants to show up to say, I'm going to hold your hand in the middle of it. I'm going to put my arm around you, and I'm going to love you through it. And it's really re-engaging our trust with him. Yeah, the, the thing that just has stood out to me this morning in the first service and this service as you're talking about these steps is that the only thing that enables us to walk through this process is the light of the cross. That just like Anthony was talking about, we we can't minimize or disregard the the things that have hurt us. And God's forgiveness, I think we sometimes Sometimes we forget the significance of the cross and think that God's forgiveness is his sweeping things under the rug or just kind of not making a big deal about things. But the cross is God's acknowledgement of the debt owed. It's God's acknowledgement of the debt that the person who hurt you owes. And Anthony was talking about how we, you know, we, we can get afraid almost of, of imagining up too bad a punishment for another person the punishment that God says that person deserves is more severe than anything we can come up with. And it's the same punishment that he says we deserve for our sin. And the only thing that empowers us to walk through these steps is belief that that has happened. That our sin and the sin of everybody else has been dealt with on the cross where God pronounced judgment and handled it on our behalf. Let's not miss that. So as we 
walk through these steps, Anthony, I think another one of the big hang-ups that we've talked about is just uncertainty about what it really means to have forgiven somebody. What, what's it going to, how am I going to know if I really have walked through the steps, if I really have forgiven, if something real has happened in my heart? Uh, I'm going to make this statement uh, with the with the asterisk and the footnote that says um, this is a very, very complicated dynamic. Okay, And I'm going to try to simplify it, but by no means does it simplify people's situations. But the simple answer is, would I be willing to reconcile if the other person was willing to repent, make a confession, make a new commitment, make amends? Because we're ultimately placing the onus of the offense on the offender. To say, okay, you you made the offense. It's kind of up to you to make it right. But I still have the work of dealing with me in that. And so the forgiveness is me dealing with the me um, to be willing to reconcile if it's safe to do so. Okay. So again, very complicated. So we don't have, unfortunately, enough time to delve deep into that. If you have questions about that, come see me afterwards. <laughs> okay. Okay. So kind of bouncing off of that idea a little bit of what it looks like for it to be safe to, to move into the next phase. If walking through those steps is, of forgiveness is the first part of forgiveness, talk to us about accountability, the, the second part of the forgiveness process. So the second part of the forgiveness process is accountability. Because as the person is making a confession and a new commitment, and we're working through the forgiveness part, we also get to hold them accountable. Now the question comes up is, what do we get to hold them accountable for? Because that, that, that word has been often used in an almost a spiritually abusive form in a lot of situations. Okay. So what we get to hold somebody accountable to is whatever their new commitment is. I don't get to hold them to what I think their new commitment needs to be. I don't get to define that for them. Okay. So it's, it's this relational piece, right? If there's an offense between us, okay, I get to come up and say, I'm sorry for doing that. And you get to say, well, I forgive you. Then I get to say, I'm going to work harder on trying to fix that. And you get to say, okay, I'll walk with you in that. We'll, we'll bounce off each other. And if I keep doing that offense, it would be appropriate then for the person I'm in relationship to say, hey, I, I thought we were working on this. Okay. This, this is still hurting and we need to readdress some things. And so that's where I don't get to define the other person's commitment, but I do get to define a healthy boundary. Okay. And a, a quick definition, a boundary is just what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. It's where I start and stop, where you start and stop. And I don't get to come into your yard and mow your grass. And you don't get to come into mine and mow mine. I, I get to be responsible for me. And and sometimes, you know, I get to say part of this boundary thing, if there's uh, hurt between us, is we may have to drop down some levels of relationship. It may not be safe to re-engage at the same level of relationship we've been in. 
and we will have to grow back to a level of relationship, and I hope that we can, but part of of that boundary is saying, okay, well, I'm willing to engage, but here's how we're going to define things. And so on that note, you wanted to share this quote that kind of ties together the pieces that you've been unwrapping for us. Right, so this quote by Henry Cloud, who's the author of the Boundaries books, um, says this, Forgiveness is how I deal with the past. Okay, And that past may be five seconds ago, it may be 50 years ago, but forgiveness is my work in how I deal with me and what I'm struggling with for whatever's happened. Reconciliation is how we come together in the present. Have I done my work to be willing? Have you done your work to own your stuff? Okay. If we've done that, now we can reconcile. But boundaries are how we're going to define moving the relationship forward in the future. So you cannot have a healthy relationship without healthy boundaries. If you're in a relationship without healthy boundaries... That's not a healthy relationship. Boundaries are one of the most difficult things to do, but they are also one of the most loving things to do. Because we're saying, this is how we're going to do this relationship, and I want to be in relationship with you, and I want to connect. Um, and this is this is the framework. These are the the lines on the road that tells us how to get there. Okay. So let's let's wrap up by coming back around to this idea that forgiveness is an act of love and just unpack a little bit of what that means specifically. Okay. So as we've laid it out, um, forgiveness is how we process the mad, which is when other people are jerky towards me. And I do that through uh, acknowledging the, the debt owning the pain, releasing that punishment to God, forgiveness. And I get to hold some accountability there. And by doing that, I'm actually exhibiting a theological virtue of love. It's a very loving thing to do. But I like to say it this way. You can't actually love somebody that you're not willing to forgive. And you can't actually forgive someone that you're not willing to get mad at. Because a healthy relationship means we're going to be a little bit jerky to each other. And if I can't acknowledge that, I can't love you. Because now I'm living in this dismissing non-reality fake world. And that's not what Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting us into reality. To engage in what really is happening now. So, one of the things I want to point out here is this, is that the economy of interchange in Jesus' relationships is one of mercy and grace. Why? Because 
if it's true that I can only be in relationship when I'm going to be with you, if I'm willing to forgive you, I'm already giving you grace ahead of time. Does it make sense? Because otherwise we're in a constant performance cycle. Does it make sense? We're good as long as you keep on performing just right. I, I could go off on a lot of things. This is why when in, you get married and don't just live together, right? This is one of the reasons. is because you've committed, I'm going to forgive you no matter what. I'm not waiting on your performance to decide whether I stay with you. Does that make sense? hope I'm not stepping on toes, but I kind of do because it, it, I'm trying to get you into healthy uh, wholeness is that we've made this commitment. We're going to work things out because the Jesus people, this is what these Jesus people do, is they, the, the, the plan they bought, <laughs> their subscription plan was this. You receive forgiveness, you give forgiveness. It's in the main prayer that Jesus gave you <laughs> us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's, it's, I mean, Jesus even goes so intense as that he follows up. That's the one sentence he follows up on the prayer to say, because, you know, if you were unwilling to forgive your brothers and sisters, you lose access to the benefits of God's forgiveness. How crazy is that? I've been like, God, that seems no fair. And actually, he's trying to save us. He's trying to save us. This is the way he's rewiring the world. And we've been talking through so many difficult issues, guys, in the last year and a half. Talking about racism over the last few weeks. We're, we're crazy. If we think we can see reconciliation at a cultural level when we don't have competency at this space. Does that make sense? To recognize, man, there's a debt here that I am owed or that I owe another Feel the pain of that. Not to minimize it. Just get over it. Get over it. Get over it. It's fine. 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 You know, yucky. Yucky. To feel it. And then in the mercy of Jesus, because this is where it doesn't make any sense, but to say, because Jesus has forgiven me and has assumed the, the role of judge of the universe to go ahead and take, sit off that seat and say, you go ahead and stay on that seat, Jesus. So what we're doing is a risky move, right? Of fully feeling the pain of the offense and then giving up control of it. Now it seems like, man, well, this is the worst thing ever, right? Why would I do this? And it's like wearing piles of sandbags all over us. We are not fit to sit in God's chair. It's just too heavy. But Jesus says, don't judge. You'll, why? You'll never have enough information to even make a good judgment. You're not God. I, I, it's too heavy for me. It's too heavy for me. So what we wanted to do today was just, just finish in this moment of forgiveness. I got to tell you, I'm sitting here thinking, and relationships are popping up to my, my head. My own relationships, okay? That, that I'm like, oh, I think there's some work to do there. <laughs> And if you are breathing, and in this room, I'm assuming the same thing is happening to you. This forgiveness work, guys, is simple like brushing teeth. It's not like, you know what, last month I brushed. It was a really thorough one, too. It lasted a long time. 
But guess what? If we're not continually forgiving, think about this. Mike Hart said this study. You know, it's Jesus. We, we pray that prayer every day. Every day we're saying, forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others. Because otherwise the breath stinks. The teeth start to feel like they have, you know, mittens on them after a while. But is, is that possible in my forgiveness life? That I've just minimized pain. I've just ran over stuff. I've, I've still kind of held on a little bit of control to make sure I don't get hurt again. That's what I've noticed in myself. Is I just don't want to get hurt again. So I'll, I'll shut it down inside of me. It's good. I'll just stay far enough away. This is what the Lord's shown to me about myself. What's God saying to you? So we're just going to take a minute and, and just sit in that. Sam, if you come up and just give us a, a little bit of music. We're not going to take super long because I know some of this will take longer than not. But actually, we'd like to um, invite a few. If Some of us might need to pray out loud with somebody else. So if the free family, you guys could come up. Some of our elders here. Sherry, if you could come up. Uh, Shelly. I'm just laming people off as I said. That it be safe people. Uh, Dane, if you could come up, that we've done this work together with, and I know they'd be safe to pray with, who are in leadership here at Believers. Some of us might just need to say it out loud to somebody else. And again, this is like just saying, I need to brush my teeth. Shame has no place in this, guys. Shame is going to throttle down from healing. This isn't a question of whether someone's lovable or not. It's a question of, do you live in relationship with other humans? And is there some work the Lord wants to help us to just kind of free us some stuff and we can let some people go? Please let some things go today and start to feel love that we haven't felt and give love we haven't felt up to now. I want to invite you to, to, we can work on this from both angles, right? So from last week's repentance standpoint to this week's forgiveness, you know, there may be some things that the Lord's telling you that I need to I need to have some freedom to own some stuff. Maybe there's somebody sitting next to you that you need to say, "Hey, I'm sorry for being kind of jerky." Maybe there's somebody that needs to hear, "I forgive you." Maybe we need to do some business with God to say, "God, I'm I'm scared and I'm struggling to trust you." I've put my confidence and my faith in this power I feel by by holding on to the debt. And I, I don't even know what it would be like to not have it anymore. But I want to trust you. I believe that you have good things in store for me. And change can be hard change can be scary uh, and we're just saying that's okay so if you need to wrestle some of that stuff out with God this is a safe place to do that so yeah take some time God search me Search my heart. Tell me again how much you love me. Help me have the courage to, to own my stuff. Help me have the courage to let go of the other.
you just meet us here. So we're just going to wait a minute. Wait just a minute. If you'd like to come up for some prayer, go ahead. If not, just do some business with the Lord right where you're at. exercise that just came to my mind that I may do this myself, and Anthony, you can correct me if this is a bad idea, but uh, just the, the relationships that popped into my mind is just to sit with the Lord sometime this afternoon and just note those out and say, Lord, how do I actually feel about this? And what, what is it that you want to show me since still inside of me that then I can release to you? And not worry about the reconciliation and stuff. God may have some other things up, but that's not even the thing we're talking about right now because that's beyond our control. But Lord, am I carrying some stuff that with this person, that person, that person? Because I know I've I've shoved some things down. I know when I see them, I feel awkward. Right? These are good good indicators. And maybe I just sat with Jesus for a little bit this afternoon. Just say, what what am I carrying, Lord? I, I want to get free. Sound like a good exercise, maybe? Someone could buy into besides me? Okay, good. Anthony, would you pray for us just to close us out here today? Lord, I just love the fact that you want freedom for us. You want a full life for us. You want us to experience you in in a new and powerful way and God I, I confess I'm often scared of that and I often hold back so I repent and I'm, I'm asking you to even help me to trust you more in that It's, it's freedom we do this work. So Lord, this is scary. It's risky. It, it feels very vulnerable. But I love that we can even say that to you. 
we can own even that struggle. That you want to meet us in this place. And so that's my prayer, that you would meet each and every one of us today, right now. Just let them know that you love them. You want good for them. And your heart is for them. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Well, don't forget, guys, and we can put the, this, uh, we're going to have this workshop that actually, whoop, wrong button, and forget that. June 26th, you can go on your phones right now, actually. I might suggest doing it. There we go. Thank you. Go to the events tab, bctulsa.com, sign up. Um, we're actually going to provide this. It's usually $75 a person or $100 a couple. We're going to provide it at no charge because we feel like this is so important for us to work through so we can be the picture of Jesus on the earth because we figured out how, we're figuring out how to do the hard work of loving one another through forgiving each other love you guys have a wonderful wonderful week